Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome, everyone, to MotorWeek podcast number 302. And we're coming to you from MotorWeek Central in good old Owings Mills, Maryland. With me today are Jessica Ray, Alex Kellum, and Stephen Truitt. And here's what we're going to basically be doing today. We've got a lot to cover. We're going to give you the rundown on everything that was new at the 2023 New York International Auto Show, including details on the Kia EV9, their large all-electric SUV, the electric Telluride, to hear some call it. We'll give you our impressions of recent test vehicles at MotorWeek, including the Hyundai Ioniq 6, Toyota Prius Prime, and the Toyota Corolla Cross Hybrid. We'll also get you up to date on on which EVs are now eligible for the new government tax credits, which kick in officially uh, this week, and uh, which ones are not, by the way. So we're going to get rolling by going to the Big Apple, the 2023 New York International Auto Show. A lot there, more than I think a lot of people expected. Alex, why don't you take us through the list? Certainly. All right. So I'm going to start with one that I kind of wasn't expecting, but when I saw it, I was very excited and I'm excited to talk about it now. It's the Genesis GV80 Coupe Concept. Coupe. Coupe. Not an SUV. Great. And (laughs) well, the thing that excites me about it, it's very orange. Love it. Uh, it's well, bright. You know, all right, now wait a minute. Now, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's truth be told, he has an orange Mustang. Yeah, so yeah, so, yeah. cat's out of the nice bag there. Mustang. But yeah, it is uh, magma paint, and it's contrasted by my second favorite thing: lots of carbon fiber. Mm. Um, so if you get to see the pictures of this, um, it's pretty wild looking. Bucket seats with like this orange kind of plaid seating there. Uh, orange seat belts, matched seat backs to like the outside, and in the back there is a strut brace all the way in the back. So this. This is very much. I'm painting the picture of this, this performance vehicle, and they um, are going to make it. So, and that's what's. I, I want to pull a quote directly from Genesis right. about that. Uh, they said that this, you know, this coupe concept was quote a statement of intent for the future, hinting towards more emotional and performance oriented models. Is this so, mean like a new direction for them? Maybe what exactly it means, I think, is open to a little bit of interpretation. But I, that's how I would take it, is that they want to uh, something like this. This coupe concept is going to then influence the styling and, and the motifs that they want to start putting I in the production what models. Old, that's yeah, what this, concepts used to always yep. do. You know, this is going to be I, what I'm assuming is sort of their competition toward AMG and mm-hmm. the M, you know? There you go. Because that's, mm-hmm. what, that's, what they're mi- that's really what their brand is missing. And right. But, you know, granted, you know, they've sort of, they've had a great start. And, and what they had at the show looked pretty darn close to being production ready. Um, so with that, I hope that it is close to it and that we can maybe see one soon. I, I, so I like what I saw. Any details on powertrain? See, I did not see any details on the powertrain in my press materials. Uh, so I had read that like people at the show were like, well, we could hear an internal combustion engine underneath But there. this was a true but. styling exercise, mm-hmm. and we haven't seen a lot of those in recent years. Right. I think yeah. something similar to this design language-wise was the convertible concept mm-hmm. that Genesis released last year at the New York Auto Show that was – very stunning. I, I think the the biggest thing with this specific vehicle is those headlights that the lights that wrap around yeah. mm-hmm. the side of yep. the car. I mean, yeah. it really is just 
visually beautiful. You know, they've the Genesis more than almost any other brand in recent memory has been using the New York Auto Show to launch new vehicles and to get impressions. So I think they've stayed the course. I think it's very exciting. I love the old style. Here's the concept. Tell us what you think about it. Mm -hmm. What else was there? Uh, moving on, you know, overlanding and being off-road is uh, very much a trend now. Well, at least and before looking we, like you can. Yeah, so before we get to, to the big, the, the king, if you will, of, of overlanding and off-roading, we're going to start with the Volkswagen Atlas Peak Edition, which, of course, is going to be based on the refreshed 2024 Atlas. Got to say, I actually think it looks very attractive. Uh, this one, it's more rugged design elements, like a slightly different front fascia, underbody uh, cladding, that kind of stuff, side real, cladding. Real? Real underbody cladding. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's not like a full on, you know, everything. Right. But, but extra Blair. stuff. Yeah. Right. Some, you know, it's not plastic. A little, little extra stuff. Uh, so a lot of blacked out trim pieces because with overlanding, it seems, you know, with these trims, mm -hmm. there's a lot of like matte black, gloss black, any kind of black, including the wheels, 18 inch wheels with 255, 60 all terrain tires. So uh, is this going to take on the Rubicon Trail? No. But is this something that you could? take camping you know go on the trails not worry about getting dirty absolutely so atlas is prepped for that ram was present with the 1500 rev which uh, is now the official name of their mm -hmm. ev pickup and we've we've talked about this before uh but what's important here is that uh, we have more performance yeah. figures so just to go over some of them and then everyone else can kind of fill in some stuff up to 500 miles of range, and that is with the optional 229 kilowatt hour. Take that battery. Chevrolet. I think that's aimed directly at Silverado. <laughs> that's a big battery. Yeah, that's, a that's a big, big battery. Very big. Uh, but even standard, 168 kilowatt hour battery at 350 miles. So even with the standard range, that's not bad at all. We're talking 110 miles of range in 10 minutes. Uh, this is recharging with DC fast charging up to 350 kilowatts, and the zero to 60 times is a 4.4 seconds with 654 horsepower and 630 pound-feet of torque. It's a pretty cool-looking truck. It, it is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it also looks like we have a max payload of 2,700 mm -hmm. pounds and max towing capacity so here at go, the pickup 1,400 truck wars again. pounds. Yeah. Pickup truck wars are not going to end just because uh, we're switching to battery electrics. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that larger battery pack, you know, being yeah. able to go up to 500 miles with that with this huge towing capacity. This it seems like a very attractive truck to uh, those who might want to use it commercially. Like, <sighs> yep. it might actually for, be a viable option. For truck it things. might be. I'm still mm -hmm. very leery of all the towing claims, especially the ones like that we've already seen with the F-150 Lightning. Yeah, you can put a 10,000-pound trailer back there, but you can't go beyond your house, maybe down the block or or to the nearby park. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's a... Looks like a really fun truck too. Since it, yeah. to me, you know, the the concept was one thing. I think the production uh, appearance is um, attractive. Mm -hmm. Something that, that I could get into. Absolutely. What else? All right, moving on. Uh, another. Um, well, this is I alluded to, kind of like the big the uh, the off roader here. The Jeep Wrangler is getting a refresh, and I. But it still looks like time. a Jeep Wrangler. Still, still, yeah, and I was no, going to say, well, I was the purest. Say, I was gonna say for the for the Wrangler no, faithful out there, you don't have to worry. The seven slot grill, while tweaked a little bit. Now explain it, that because still, everybody says that that the new grill is well, tweaked. So, that's, that's so what, what does want, it really look like? Well, see, that's what I was gonna say. I'm not a Jeep connoisseur, and and I want Jessica maybe to speak to this more. I look at <laughs> it and I think it looks like curly cue. 
It, it's it, almost like hard to describe how it like, visually it, it is different. Also, you know, I don't own a, uh, a JL, which is the more modern one. I have the JK, but um, yeah, it's like tweaked. I think it's, it, it looks like um, the, the slots don't come down quite as far mm. as they did before. So there's a little more body color that mm -hmm. you can spot in the grill. I mean, it's very... It's like a, it wouldn't it's be noticeable. Jeep, it's a Jeep thing. It's like, a Jeep I don't know. Maybe some of people will be going fan. out and buying brand new grills for I their two-year-old Jeep. It's very so. possible. And then they'll put the angry eye grill on it. No, no, can, no. Yeah. Cardinal. Uh, also, get, also get a windshield integrated antenna. There's 10 new wheel designs. Um, inside, 12.3-inch Uconnect 5 infotainment. So there is getting a bump there for people. I think that'll be nice. And yeah. first and second row airbags are now standard, which, I mean, hey. That's good. I never thought I'd live to see the day where the Wrangler would end up being, you know, so technologically advanced, both in powertrain and in safety. It's pretty amazing. It has, yeah. and, it, and it kind of has to be, right? Because it's up to a it's point falling but, behind, you know, in overall. Like it's it's very, it's such a popular vehicle that the type of people who are buying it are just driving them mostly on the highways and they're not taking them. And they're younger so they expect these features where someone, shall we say, my age would say, okay, it's a Wrangler, it doesn't need all that stuff. But to attract anyone that's not a fossil, they basically need to make sure it's as safe as any other vehicle. Correct. And, or, I, and is advanced. And I think one of the things that they're doing to attract a younger crowd is the fact that there's a new base model of the 4xe with the yeah. S. Yeah, I was, I, I was going to get to that. I mean, I was going to actually kind of let you kind of take the reins there. But essentially, yeah, so it's Sport S 4xe. It's really just giving you that plug-in hybrid uh, powertrain there at a cheaper price point. I don't know if they've fully put out the price yet. Just over 50000 I believe. Okay. I want to okay. say it's around 52, but don't quote me. Uh, I'm quoting just you over 50,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that and then they have one other new model. Yeah, so X. I was going to get into that. So we have the Rubicon itself does also get a bunch of enhancements. Let me talk about that real quickly. Full float Dana 44 rear axle, I believe. Is that the first time that's standard from factory, I believe? Um, available 100 to 1 crawl ratio, and you get a factory worn winch, all cool stuff. The Rubicon X, which is the new trim, I would say is more of like a luxury appointed Rubicon in a way. So you're getting like Napa leather, uh, better sound system, things like that. Like you so, said, just yeah. aiming at the newer buyers. It's just mm -hmm. kind of incredible just to see some of the MSRPs on some of these mm -hmm. loaded up models. Yeah. There was something new from Subaru there. Yeah, yeah. So. We've seen the new Subaru Crosstrek, but this is the Wilderness. Finally gets the Wilderness treatment, mm -hmm. which basically give folks a, an idea of what that really means. Um, well, uh, it, just just a lift. Well, yeah, like a Wilderness in lift. general, or specifically well, uh, it's, the it's like, I mean, it's, it's like it's taking, the trim. It's yeah. the trim plus a little lift. Yeah, exactly. It a little bit more uh, serious, so more rugged. This one more. of the of the the Crosstrek's powertrains. This gets the two point five liter. The boxer of course and of course you get standard all-wheel drive you know it's what makes subaru, subaru a subaru right <laughs> 182 horsepower 176 pound feet of torque uh this one does get revised differential gear ratio and the cvt's been kind of tweaked a little bit for uh better traction and like slippery conditions or of course off-roading it's honestly better it's uh, from each of the wilderness models that i've tested with outback and the forester the cvt is superior in hmm. the wilderness. What really intrigues me, now that they've put this on the cross track, is that when you take a look at what semi-serious off-roading, I'm talking about 
deep ruts, some gravel, not trying to crawl up the side of a mountain. The size of the vehicle really matters, and you don't want necessarily something that's huge. Right. And so many of the new SUVs that, that claim to be great off-road, they're quite large. This is a relatively small vehicle, yeah. mm -hmm. so it's going to be able to go places that an awful lot of other vehicles, including the Wrangler, when you look how wide it is, probably can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think this is actually a this vehicle shows some real promise as sort of being a sleeper for folks it's, that like to get their tires dirty once in a while and go places maybe no one else can. Yeah, it's it's half an inch more of a ground clearance, so up to nine point three inches, better approach angles and departure angles, and of course you get uh, all terrain tires with it from and the factory. One so. thing too to mention specifically with this vehicle is that um, it has a static roof capacity of seven hundred pounds. So you can put a roof tent mm -hmm. and basically have like three full-size adults sleep on top of right. the vehicle, which and is pretty impressive. Towing is up to 3,500 pounds if you're going to be towing with it. So if you've got a little pop-up thing. Um, last thing to mention is it's going to be starting around like $33,000, which is, uh, you know, all things considered, yeah. Very good. That's a lot of bang for your buck. It yeah. is. That's it very, is. Very it is. Mm -hmm. It is. Okay, the biggest, uh, to me, I guess the biggest big SUV news there is the last thing you're going to cover. So Yeah, the Kia EV9, which again, we, we'd kind of seen a little bit before, mm -hmm. um, but now we've got more details on it. Not full, full details, but more. Almost the same size as the Telluride. Yeah, it's, seven. It's, it's roughly Telluride size, if that helps you kind of quantify it in your head. Um, of course, like a lot of EVs, we know there's going to be two powertrain options, a rear-wheel drive and a all-wheel drive version of it. Uh, rear-wheel drive, 160 kilowatt. We're talking a 76.1 kilowatt hour battery, and it's going to be 215 horsepower. There is an optional 99.8 kilowatt hour battery that's targeting 300 miles of range on a full charge. Um, of course, these are all just targets, and this is very pre preliminary. We also know there's going to be a GT line trim, which is kind of exciting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking with the dual motor setup for the all-wheel drive up to 379 horsepower and uh, 516 pound-feet of torque, which is pretty cool. You know, I have to tell you, I'm kind of disappointed. I was really? hoping for, yeah, I mean, with all of that battery, with all of that size, it's still not going to be a vehicle that you can necessarily take on a long vacation sure. unless you've carefully mapped out the DC fast chargers. And we have to say, even though this vehicle has an 800 volt architecture and can charge fast, you've got to find a charger that matches up with it. Mm -hmm. and, and so many of the DC fast chargers out there are not that capable. Sure. So you've got a great <sighs> suburban kit hauler. Mm -hmm. but maybe not quite up to the level of a uh, of a of a road tripper yet. I mean, yeah. the Telluride, you can easily go for over 400 miles mm. before gassing it up, and you can gas up anywhere. But anyway, it's it's an interesting vehicle, and it's one, I guess, Hyundai's also got a, a similar vehicle coming. I think it looks great. It does look good. And I, it and does look good. Of course, the benefit of electrification is I yep. do believe you get more interior uh, room out of that platform. We should point out that is a it's on it it's on a unique a dedicated EV platform. So it has not been you know just a Telluride platform modified. What did you think of the show? I thought it was probably one of the most impressive auto shows we've seen lately. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Very much so. And kudos to the folks in New York because I know they uh, it's very difficult getting um, uh, solid debuts these time. 
Um, we're going to turn our comments in just a moment uh, to the uh, Hyundai Ioniq 6, the Toyota Prius Prime, and the Corolla Cross Hybrid, all vehicles that we've recently tested, and all, I might add, electrified in one way or another. And right. we'll start with the Hyundai Ioniq 6. And Stephen, why don't you uh, lead us through this? Sure, sure. What it is, where it fits in the lineup. So yeah, as far as the Hyundai Ioniq 6, it is another iteration of Hyundai's electric Ioniq line. Um, it is a car rather than an SUV. If you look at it from a side profile, Hyundai has the streamlined design, and they showed us a picture in the presentation that was actually very cool. It was just a really sleek drawing, and if you look at that picture compared to the final product, they're very similar. Hmm. So with that, um, styling, you love it or hate it, I think it's a rather attractive looking car. Um, you would think the Ionic 6, you would think, okay, it's got to be bigger than the Ionic 5. It's actually not the case. The wheelbase is actually two inches shorter, but the overall length is longer than the right. Ionic 6, or Ionic 5, rather. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the um, powertrains are concerned, standard rear wheel drive models have a 53 kilowatt hour battery, um, single motor, puts out 149 horsepower, 258 pound feet of torque, um, long range dual motor models. Um, our all-wheel drive have a 77.4 kilowatt hour battery, 320 horsepower, 446 pound-feet of torque. Um, and I'll tell you, riding it, you, you punch the, the throttle down, it, it gets up and Well, which, which models did you drive? Did we, you get to drive both? We were in the, uh, the Limiteds. So we were but in what powertrain? So it was the dual The dual, the dual motor. motor, okay. Yes. Um, so, yeah, they're very, very punchy, very punchy. What would you say it, it compares to or competes against? Um... Hmm. I would put it honestly. I mean, call me crazy, along with the EV6. A okay. Bit. All right. Yeah. Which which technically is an SUV, but that's debatable. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. In terms of the size, though, like with storage space mm. and everything, it had pretty good cargo mm. space. It's a it's a very good looking vehicle. I, I would agree. I, I'm actually happy to see some of the EVs that don't look like balloons on wheels. Yes. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. Um, the overall range, too, um, you know, we always talk about range. There's a lot of different things going on. So the standard range battery pack, you get 240 miles. Um, long range, you see 316. Um, okay, but that's so with rear-wheel drive. That's, uh, I'm sorry, that's all-wheel drive, I believe. Um, the, the max range is 361. Which is mm. really impressive. Yeah, That's very and good. but it always, you know, it, it always varies on wheels. You have sure. 18 or 20 inch wheels available. The 20 inch obviously takes away some. I mean, um, I think like sometimes, why would anybody opt for the larger wheels? Like John, do you have, like? Is it just because styling? Styling, right? mostly yeah. styling. styling. But for goodness yeah. sake, I'd want the extra 20, 30 miles that I can. Anytime you that. upsize wheels, you're upsizing the amount of tread and friction on the road, yeah. and you're probably cutting yourself uh, down in uh, a range yeah. a little bit. So but more of a sidewall, yeah. a little bit more of a comfortable ride. I'd, I'd go 18s personally. Of course. I mean, people don't realize you. They may look cooler, but you're giving up ride quality. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. I've made a lot of decisions in my life based solely off of looks. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I'm fine with dubs. I'm cool with it. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, talking about charging as well. Yeah. Um, DC fast charging is there, um, 10 to 80 percent, 18 minutes. Not so it's too got bad the same. It's got the mm, same 800-volt yeah. architecture as yep. the Ionic 5. Yep. Great. And as far as, like, you know, the, comparing it to the Ionic 5, inside they feel very similar. The way they ride feels very similar. Mm. Car handles great. Um, overall, I, I liked the car quite a bit. 
Um, you know, the, the ambient light on the inside mm-hmm. of the car. Oh, my gosh. If you like a light show at night, this is something you want to see. Um, you know those little pixels that they have on the steering wheel that we saw on the Ionic 5? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, these on the Ionic 6 are actually interactive. So, oh. like, when you're in reverse, they light up red to be like, oh, hey, you're in reverse. Oh. Um, I think it even kind of... Um, matches up with charging as well hmm. so like if you're at a half charge two of them will be lit up just like minor little details i like like sure that. do you suppose there's any chance that in designing uh the ionic 6 that they had their eye on actually giving people an alternative to a pole star that's a valid point i mean it's a lot <laughs> less money it's got very similar range maybe it's a good looking vehicle you know they it hits a lot of the same kind of it doesn't hit the prestige point but yeah. then again, Polestar is not exactly a firmly established brand anyway. And sometimes when I think about Polestar, because it's so closely linked with Volvo, their styling is like so play it safe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is very a little I more think, in your face. I would say polarizing yeah, is, the, yeah. is mm-hmm. yeah. the design language on the Ionic Six, and yeah. in a, in the best way. I mean, so many times, and I see all of our viewer comments online and stuff. And so when I posted our review, our first drive of the Ionic Six, I posted some pictures that Stephen had taken on the trip. And I was shocked to see how many people actually agreed that it was a good looking vehicle mm, because yeah. because every I swear every time that a new vehicle comes out it's ugly it's yeah, ugly gosh that's well. so ugly but all these people wow what a striking car so yeah. I think Hyundai made it's, a great choice it's here different and it's you know it's it's a design that works low drag coefficient which helps make you know the mm-hmm. range I mean mm-hmm. it's a slam dunk yeah. if I remember correctly I believe they said it was the lowest drag coefficient that they have ever achieved. I believe it. I oh, mean, I believe Electric that. streamliner, um, man. Yeah. What's what is um kind of can you give us a little brief summary of, of what we were looking at inside, like uh, uh screens wise? Yeah, so it's um dual twelve inch, okay. twelve inch gauge, twelve inch info. Um the shifter is on the column. Again. Okay. Um cool. so I mean it's very open feel and the back seat as well, mm-hmm. you know, very, very spacious. They even have a little um plug in the center for um, of the back seat, rather, for just about anything. Oh, wow. My only question, because we talked about this before we went out for the trip, mm-hmm. is we saw in some of the press materials those, like, camera mirror things. And yeah. you had mentioned, uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Because you sure. mentioned, you know, the ones you drove, you just had traditional mirrors. Correct, yeah. So the one that we drove in Arizona was traditional side-view mirrors. They, uh, they have on overseas models, I believe, like in Korea, uh, Japan, places like that, they have screens so there's little like cameras right. as side mm-hmm. view mirrors. i don't think it's legal here it is yes, not, not correct right, yeah. they're trying to see if they can yeah. make that happen um we've been seeing concept cars with that basic idea for yeah. decades but mm-hmm. there seems to be some resistance uh within the uh the safety folks in the u.s government to do slow it moving here yeah. On a lot of things. Yeah. yeah i mean like on the inside there's actually two little plastic panels that where those screens would go for right. the overseas models, so they kind of just had to fill them in for us. Well, you know, the idea that it appeals to me simply because now you don't have to worry about having fogged up windows or anything else to be able to see down the side. That's a great point, a good point. Yeah. especially us who we live in, you know, a harsher Snow climate. And so yes. forth. Yeah. My only thing is if they were to go blank, then you're blind. Mm-hmm. True. Reason. Yes, but, that's yeah. true. Um, you can't roll down the window and just scrape <laughs> the ice. Yeah, exactly. But pricing, you know, the, the base SE starts at $41,600. Um, limited trims go over $56,000. Um, 56 is a bit high. Well, no, high it's pain, another $60,000 EV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. overall, it, I think that it's one of the things you have to, to drive and get a feel for it, and it might just surprise you. Okay, we've talked a lot about Pure Electric today, but we're now going to turn our attention to two vehicles that come under the broad heading of hybrids. And uh, Jessica, you've uh, got the lowdown on both the Toyota Prius Prime and the Corolla Cross Hybrid, and so take it away. Yeah, I got to drive them back to back, so that was Which really is interesting. A very important, I think. Well, they are very closely related. Uh, uh, specifically within the powertrains. Not necessarily, you know, the, the Prius Prime. Now, for those of you at home who don't know, Prime is uh, Toyota's way of saying that this vehicle is a plug-in hybrid. And um, so the big difference between the Prime as a plug-in hybrid versus this Corolla Cross Hybrid is that I would like to say it's somewhere in between a fully electric car and a hybrid. You can use a gas engine, but you also have a small amount of all-electric range. You have a motor that can power this vehicle without turning on the gas engine. It, it, it's it's now substantially, the first time they did a, a Prius Prime, I think it had about a 14-mile electric range. What is it now? Well, so the last one that we had, yeah. the 2021, because we had a long-term right. one, that was 25 miles. Okay, of that's all up from the original 14. Okay. And so this new generation has improved to up to 44 miles of all electric. Oh, range. so they're almost they're two thirds of the way to where the uh, Chevrolet Volt was. Yes. Okay. Yes, I mean, and of course that is with um, a larger battery pack, so it yeah. does take longer to charge it, um, but it, it still can be charged to um, fully uh, in. I don't know. It, Four hours on a um, level two charger. So, so in other words, volt. something you'd have at home. Correct, because yeah. you can it can charge in eleven hours on um, a one ho- ten. Yeah, on a one ten, um, which is probably twice as long as the last one. But that's because you have a significantly yeah, larger battery. Right. Um, but I should mention that this is very different. It has a larger um, gas engine that comes from the standard Prius. It's the two-liter I4. Um, it also has 100 more horsepower than the previous generation. So we're talking 220 horsepower. And that is a huge, huge difference. You can absolutely notice it on the road. Um uh, one of my biggest complaints from the previous generation was that it was just really slow and you put your mm-hmm. foot on the accelerator and it was like, please go a little faster so I can merge. Now there's no worries with that. And of course, this is, um, you know, I drove the uh, uh, standard Prius when it was launched a couple months ago. Overall, just a completely better driving experience right. with this we all agree on that. new yeah. fifth generation um, uh uh, platform and a new f- fifth generation uh, hybrid system. Everything is just better. It's com- so much better. Um, this has even more horsepower over the standard Prius as well. But I will say, like in electric mode, that was my favorite part of the the previous generation Prius. It was incredibly smooth. Um, it wasn't super powerful, but you know, it had pep to it. But now it's just like the entire. Um, uh, going from EV mode into hybrid mode, so that means going from the all-electric to turning on the gas engine, it's seamless. Because now you don't have this, like, huge power deficiency. Ah, uh, okay, and, good point, good um, point. You know, because you, 
you, when you go from the all electric, you have that instant torque. Right. It you have that instant power, and so in the previous generation, when it would switch, it was like you were switching bleh. to an, an anemic internal combustion. Uh, engine, yeah, you so. usually were like had your foot all the way down the throttle and it was making a very loud noise <laughs> when you were accelerating um, but now it's just it's really seamless um, one thing I will say is that uh, this is only available in front-wheel drive I was gonna so ask you that so. all-wheel drive models for the Prius Prime you could you can still get one in the Prius the standard Prius but not the Prime it probably takes up the same real estate the battery probably takes I, up where the rear motor would I would be. assume so too yeah. because this so one of the things with this new generation um, they have repositioned where the battery was the battery used to be underneath the rear floor uh, or the cargo area mm -hmm. so they've moved it now underneath the rear seat so where the load floor was really high in the last generation Prius, they were able to lower the load floor of the cargo area. So it's much easier to kind of like get things mm. in and out space wise. It makes a little bit more sense. Um, and I probably should mention that, you know, when you're not driving, you're 44 up to 44 miles of electric, because I will say. 44 miles is only available on the SE, the base SE trim. This has to do with wheels and weight and weight. Um, so on the XSE and the XSE Premium, it's up to 39 miles. But when you're not using the electric, you can still get up to 52 miles per gallon on the on Just the like a good Toyota hybrid should, which leads us into the Corolla Cross, which is a regular yes. gasoline electric hybrid without a plug. Yep. Yes. Good move for them. I mean, taking basically at first there's the Corolla, then they brought out their small SUV Corolla Cross. Now they're doing hybrid. Of course, Toyota is going to have a hybrid in every line and every vehicle if they don't already. I mean, I think it was a really smart move because yeah. this is clearly the superior powertrain for the Corolla Cross. Um, I mean, I think when we did our full test on the standard gas engine Corolla Cross, I know, Stephen, I don't know if you were driving it. I think I was. You might have been driving it, but I think our 0 to 60 was like 10.7 seconds. Well, <laughs> it was exactly where an econo box of 10 years yeah. ago would probably be. It's true. You know, 10, 11, 12, yeah, we used to talk about it all the time. It's hard to get out of your own way. Now, however, with so many vehicles coming from the factory without anything special with 0 to 60s down in the 4, 5, and 6 range, you need to up the game of these slower vehicles or they are going to be in trouble. Yes. And so uh, so this should, this powertrain, which comes, uh, the hybrid powertrain comes straight from the Prius. It's the same two liter four cylinder mm -hmm. um, with the powered with two electric motors. Um, that should get you a better zero to 60 time. Like I think it shaves like two seconds off. <laughs> no. We'll be which able is to, meaningful. Yes, which is meaningful. And, of course, you know, for both of these vehicles, we'll be able to, when we have them in, we'll have our full test on them. I think it's fascinating city, that the leader in hybrids, Toyota, is not only putting in more hybrids, but is actually enlarging the internal combustion engine on some of the models, too. Yes. Or keeping it the same yes. as we've seen in the trucks, which, again, tells me that, Maybe, maybe, as a matter of fact, maybe we should just stop and talk briefly mm -hmm. about the entire realm of hybrids, which seem to be getting left out of the conversation about uh, electrified vehicles. Almost any, whenever somebody these days in the media talks about EVs, electric vehicles, 
it's pretty clear they're really talking about pure EVs. Where we around the office, when we talk about them, we often say electrified vehicles. And we may or may not include hybrids, but we certainly include plug-in hybrids, anything with a plug. I think now, I, I when I say when I think electrified, I include a hybrid. Yeah. I agree with you, but not everybody sure. does. Sure. But I guess where I was leading with this in your opinion, having recently just driven these two, if you were given your choice between a hybrid, standard hybrid, say a t something along the line of what the Prius powertrain is, you know it's going to return 50-plus miles per gallon, which is, frankly, you know, an enormous improvement over what the average internal combustion engine does, or one with a small battery, which would you choose and why? And I'll ask you two, the other two of uh, the same question. I, I mean, for me, I would pick a hybrid, I think, because uh, just, a, just a standard pure hybrid, because the battery doesn't make much sense for me. I don't have a place to, to charge it. You're an apartment while, dweller. Yes, I live in a condo, and we don't have chargers there. And while we do have chargers at work, they are not really for our personal use. Right. We have chargers for here for our motor For our cars. test cars and for visitors. Um, yes. And so while my commute would be well within a standard plug-in hybrid uh battery range so round trip less than 20, 20 miles yeah 20 miles. it's about 20 miles okay. um it wouldn't make sense because i just would not have a place where i could charge it if i could charge it every night oh my gosh i would be spending no money in fuel i would hardly be turning on my my gas engine in my plug-in yeah. hybrid but do for you, me a hybrid do you two have any other uh, think differently than that I personally would go with just a strictly a hybrid, not a plug-in. I mean, I just I don't feel like dealing with having to plug the car in so personally. The <laughs> that, yeah, it's, I, I I, I, it's just one extra thing to have to worry about, I, and it's more like a set it and forget it, fill it up, and I'll get an extra you know twenty okay. mpg over another uh, over a standard internal combustion car. Alex. Uh, yeah, I Alex think Alex is the hot rodder in the group. Yeah, yes. well, well, you know, Steven's got a Mustang too. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, mine's better, but you know, but yeah, like, uh, I think it really would depend on my situation and all that. Kind of like right now, it would probably yeah be a hybrid. Uh, my commute right now is 37 miles one way. So like, if I had that, you know, yo, I have 44 miles right, of, of EV range, like that's great. But by the time I get here, I'm like, cool, I've used that. That being said, again, if situations change life changes if i have a place to charge it yeah i would personally go with a plug-in hybrid myself just right now i i don't know i've had this like discussion with numerous auto engineers you know in my my mind the magic number for a plug-in hybrid battery to where it becomes really desirable and not just a nuisance or a one-trick mm -hmm. pony is about 100 miles mm -hmm. you know something where you could get two or three days worth of it of uh it's all good, electric good, driving solid, in solid driving but that of course requires a significant battery and of course manufacturers when you ask them about this because i don't see you know we don't see uh plug-in hybrids taking off in this country at the moment they will say well now you've got two powertrains plus a battery the complexity is there we can't get the parts to build one powertrain right. yeah. uh, but i do believe that as a country we're missing something here mm -hmm. This is the ideal type of vehicle where you could basically commute for almost nothing and at the same time have a vehicle suitable for the longest trip you want to take. Mm -hmm. I mean, say like for you, John, 
You yeah. know, I feel like the plug in hybrid lot, would I work. I do a lot of long trips. But when you are here at home. I do short trips, and a hybrid would make perfect sense for me. Mm. But what about a plug in hybrid? A plug in hybrid, again, if I didn't have to basically plug it in every single day just to go back and forth to work, and my, my uh, back and forth to work is only about 30 miles. Right. Um, I would sit there, I would say, this is great. It, it gives me some extra convenience. Uh, and yeah, I know on long trips, it's really not going to do very much, but it does contribute towards, even if you, if you plug it in, charge it up, take a long trip, you are saving fuel even on that trip. But if it's a, a low distance battery, 20, 30 miles, it becomes a nuisance. Yeah. Something you've got to remember to do every day, like brushing your teeth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I don't do enough of either. So. <laughs> well, then, so let's go back to okay. our, our standard right. Corolla Cross hybrid then. Let's talk about its fuel economy. Right. Now, we don't have any EPA numbers yet, but Toyota is saying 42 miles per gallon combined and up to 45 miles per gallon in the city. Whoa. Which is... Uh, for an SUV, that is for, uh, terrific by any measure. That is, I, I, and I don't want to say definitively, but I'm pretty sure that's the best that you're going to get in a vehicle of that class. I think that's close, yeah. Um, anyway, so it has, like I was mentioning before, it has the same powertrain as the Prius. Um, we're looking at 196 horsepower, 139 pound-feet of torque. Um, and all-wheel drive is standard here. There is no front-wheel drive version of this. Good. And you get, of course, wireless Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, which I think for this demographic of buyers that they're looking for is pretty much a slam dunk. And Toyota's mm -hmm. pretty much doing wireless CarPlay and Android Auto pretty much everywhere. But um, one very interesting thing I will say is that, uh, and I have not seen this on any other hybrid vehicle, but the Corolla Cross Hybrid has all-black badging which is a uh, departure from Toyota, who used to do uh, uh, their, their like front Toyota badge was uh, accented in blue. Yeah. And that's how oh, you knew right. that it was a hybrid. That it was a hybrid. And that is no more, well, I don't know if that's no more, but that's no more here on the Corolla Cross hybrid. It's all, all like, the lettering is, is black, the, um, the Toyota emblem is black. I'll so think about the the uh, the likely buyers. Yes, who so black trim is in. Aesthetically, it black makes wheels. a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, but well, yeah, I think uh, overall we're talking like price wise, just just under um, twenty nine thousand dollars starting. Mm -hmm. So it's not cheap. Um, but yeah, but that's not a huge amount of money when you consider how much you're going to save on fuel. It's true. It's true. Going Did back to the, the badging real quick, mm -hmm. I mean, kind of think of it not only from a target audience thing of like, oh, what are they going to look for aesthetically? But since they're going in the direction of just electrification in general, maybe they're like, oh, we don't need to have a distinction anymore. Just kind of make it just we're going back to right. our roots. No need to really have a difference. Just, oh, this is who we are. Like, yep. I, I got to tell you, I'm a gasoline electric hybrid fan. I, mm -hmm. I just think it makes so much sense and plug in all the better. Uh, let's, we're going to move on to our lightning round, but I did want to basically just make one more mention before uh, we get to the end of the show of the folks that make it all possible. Our, our advertisers uh, that keep uh, Motor Week, the television series and our podcast and everything else we do uh, live and well. Uh, Lucas Oil Products, thank you very much. Uh, auto Value Bumper to, and bump, Bumper to Bumper. Uh, 
uh, a great new uh, brand for us and our um, longest-running advertiser and a company that's been with us for many years, and we thank you again for that, TireRack.com. The folks at Tire Rack uh, do a great job, and uh, they've done uh, great by us. Our lightning round is usually one where we basically uh, throw something out there and see if everybody has an opinion on it. Um, we don't really have a. Uh, we used to have a bell that we'd set off in thirty seconds. We got to find that bell. But but anyway. Uh, We're doing this podcast at tax time in 2023, and it turns out that April 18th uh, was this year's tax day. That's the day we're recording, and it is tax day. And it's also the beginning of the new EV tax credit rules that were delayed because the Treasury Department couldn't quite get their act together. Now, the official list of vehicles eligible for up to $7,500 in tax credit is now public on fueleconomy.gov, the uh, go-to place if you're interested in fuel economy regardless. So, um, Jessica has actually got a list of the vehicles and some of the details. And then, basically, I'm going to turn open to everybody and say, what do you think this is going to mean for future EV sales, at least for the next year or two? So, give us a rundown of some of the vehicles that are eligible. And we'll obviously then ask about ones that aren't. So these are basically. Uh, this is for purchase, by the way, not leasing. New, new purchase new as purchase, well. Right. New These are brand new vehicles that you can purchase that are eligible for the tax credit. Mm. Um, and so you will probably note that uh, all of these vehicles have to be finally assembled here in the U.S. So many of these are domestic brands. So first up would be the Cadillac Lyric. Um you also have the in, in Chevrolet land, we have the upcoming Blazer, uh, both the Bolt and the Bolt EUV, um, the Equinox, the upcoming Equinox EV, the upcoming Silverado EV. All of these uh, vehicles are eligible for the 7,500 um, tax credit, which is the most that you can get. Uh, going to Chrysler, the Pacifica plug in hybrid. And Ford, their e-transit, their escape plug-in hybrid, their F-150 with the extended range battery, the F-150 with the standard range the battery. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. Right. Lightning. Um, then we also have the Mustang Mach-E, which has extended range and standard range. Um, and I will say that only in, in Ford world, only the two F-150 Lightnings are uh, eligible for the up to 7,500. The rest are 3,750. Now, tell us why. So um, this it, is important. So right, like this I is said, a big change. One of the final, one of the requirements was that final assembly must be in the right. U.S. And but also it has to do with where the rare uh, materials and battery components are sourced, and there are. I believe two sources. Um, it has to be a free trade country, or it comes from here. Right. right, and so and free trade does not include, by the way, our European allies and most countries in the Far East. Right, so you have to meet both of those. If right. you meet both of those, it's seventy five hundred. If you only meet one, it's the thirty seven fifty. Okay, get back to your list. I distracted so we're back you. to. Jeep. Now we're up to Jeep, which is the Grand Cherokee 4xE and the Wrangler 4xE. Did you say the two Lincolns? Oh, that's after. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. It's okay. okay. We'll have the Lincolns after. But the two Jeeps are only eligible for the 3750, which um, they used to be eligible for the full 7500 and are no longer. Right. 
Um, then we're moving on to Lincoln. We have the Aviator and the Corsair. And the Aviator is eligible for the 7500 The Corsair, only the 3750 mm-hmm. And then Tesla is now eligible for tax credits once again, which they were not for, for a long a time. Long time. <clears throat> um, and so the Model 3 Performance uh, is eligible for the full credit. The Model 3 Standard Range rear-wheel drive is a 3750. Model Y all-wheel drive, full credit. Model wheel, Model Y long-range all-wheel drive, 7500 full credit. And the Model Y Performance is also eligible for the full so credit. So you might notice that we're, we have not mentioned uh, any European vehicle. So what about something like the Volkswagen ID4? Well, it was eligible, but um, things... I guess could change. I know that the ID4 is supposed to be final. Uh, its final well, it assembly is is, yeah, is, going, is. is here it in, is. Chatt- in Chattanooga. It, the all-wheel drive version of it, not the. Uh, are they making the stand the four-wheel drive, uh, front-wheel uh, drives here? Ma- yeah, too? they're making like a standard range. Yeah, like okay. standard model. Um, I'm not 100% the, sure why they are not on it. Maybe it has, might have to do with the battery. What you have to do is go online to the government websites. And put in the VIN number mm-hmm. of the vehicle that you're going to buy, the actual VIN number. Yes. And the dealers can do it for you because I'm sure they're all, but they want to sell the vehicles. That will tell you which one is absolutely, without qualification, eligible for what amount of money. But we really basically are missing, at this point, most of the European brands, virtually all of the Asian brands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's some debate of whether actually it's not a debate. Uh, there are some instances that we're aware of where if you lease some of these other vehicles that don't qualify to get this money when you purchase them, the money is available. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly murky. Yes. It's very complicated. And the word to the wise is before you sign for any electric vehicle, don't just take someone's word that you're going to get some kind of a uh, tax credit. You need to look up and do the legwork yourself. There's also There's income, a number of apps about that do there, that, too. And there's um, income requirements as well. Yes, and that's very important. And there's also limits to the MSRPs because these vehicles can get very expensive. So certain certain ones have an MSRP limit of $80,000, which is just crazy to me. But then um, the some of the smaller cars like the Bolt or or, um, the model, uh, the Model 3 has an MSRP limit of $55,000. If you can just imagine, uh, we have enacted one of the most complicated uh, (laughs) laws for actually buying a vehicle in order to incentivize you to go electric Mm -hmm. that I think the world has. I don't think anybody has a more complicated uh, series of hoops they have to jump through. But so what do you what do you think? And since we, we let's get back to the central question. Is this going to spur EV sales or not? I bet it does for Tesla. Oh, absolutely. I think this is incredibly advantageous we've, for Tesla. We've given them a huge, yes. a huge, yeah. uh, you know, stipend, so to speak. Basically, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, for uh, people were buying Teslas without the tax credit, yeah. and now the fact that there is an incentive with the tax credit, I think, will absolutely help them. Watch for price increases over the next couple well, of years. <laughs> we may see the seventy five hundred or the yeah, the seventy five hundred dollar I have price increase. It wouldn't be surprising. Um, I think 
two or three years down the road, this will all play out probably in, in most everybody's favor. Uh, I'm not so sure that right now it's going to do a whole lot. I think I think it will improve sales. But, I mean, do you um, think it's going to – I think it could hurt the sales of um, – the the non-domestics it does is unless there's this unless they can get through the leasing loophole because an awful lot of the non-domestics especially when you get into the price of your bmws and mercedes and so forth they're they're leased anyway i mean i guess i think more along the lines of, of like the ionic 5 and the kia ev i think definitely like the koreans are, are being hurt by it although i understand from what i read this week there may be some light at the end of the tunnel for leasing for their vehicles uh, their evs as well but clearly, this seems to be uh, a bill that uh, uh, discourages you from buying um, even domestic assembled uh, Korean and European Correct. vehicles. Yeah, because yeah. you know rare materials, yeah. battery sources, yeah. those things. Yeah, yeah. it's complicated. <laughs> I, I would. I firmly expect we'll see some increase, but I don't think it's going to be Nirvana, uh, except maybe for the folks at Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? All right. Um, thanks, everybody. And um, we'd like to remind everybody that if you are not uh, someone that normally watches uh, full episodes of Motor Week, shame on you. And we want to direct you towards our website, motorweek.org or motorweek.com. Uh, about the show is a tab up in the corner. Pull it down, put in your zip code, and it'll let you know uh, instantaneously almost the station and times in your area where you can see us. Or if you are a MAV TV fan, hop on over to their website, mavtv.com, for their schedule. They run our shows uh, numerous times during the week. And here's a, a good advice for folks that say, gee, you know, I watch so much stuff on my uh, cell phone and my tablet. Just go over and download from your app store or channel store the PBS video app. Once you've got that, you can watch full episodes of Motor Week for free. And it leads us to say around here that if you've got a screen, you can watch Motor Week. And we hope you all do. We want to thank our audio engineer for today, Austin Harris, our podcast producer, Jessica Ray, podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And thank all of you for being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motorweek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.